One more round studio production. Take your order, Jean. Well, I'll have the creme de cauin. Okay. Duck strips. Yeah. And the butter. Now, what do you want, Jean? I have a black molly crushed up in some vodka with a splash of boons. Bien, the big. Thanks, bro. Merci. Jean, you're getting drunk, huh? Oh, well, <laughs> winning the rose. <laughs> Say what? Please, go ahead. Uh, does the fouchonniers do? It's an old wives' tale. Sure. But that's stupid. Galliano. Hmm. Smell it in. Sassipo, Mr. Amadi. Mayweather. I love this town. Einlein is the bestest town on this side of the bayou. Discovered by the Sheremys in 1905, they named it Galliano. Which, of course, in Cajun means stale jambalaya. Hmm. No, I mean, that don't make sense. <laughs> I apologize. I almost got you. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. I, mean, I don't think anybody knows what that means anymore. My papa said the translation was lost in Hurricane Andrew years ago. Doesn't it mean Galliano? No. 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 That's what they say. Well, well. Come see, come see, come see. And good evening, we are live here from the One More Round Studios, Casey Just Claire with Damien St. Pierre. Oh man, we've got a busy show for you tonight, we've got a lot to talk to you about, we've got some LSU talk coming up here in the first segment, but after that we're going to talk some New Orleans Saints, they're looking okay so far in preseason, we're going to give our thoughts about that. Big NBA trade, Kyrie Irving is going to the Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll discuss who we think won that trade, and maybe there's a possible changing of the guard in Eastern Conference. Um, we've broken down this fight really since we've had the studio, but now it's finally here. The Mayweather-McGregor fight is this weekend out in Las Vegas. We're going to give our final thoughts on the fight. We're going to also have a little bit of fun. Las Vegas has everything in the world that you would want to bet on on this fight. They're allowing you to do so. We're going to have a little fun with that, as well as recapping SummerSlam. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good show. We maybe talk a little fantasy football as well as it's about draft time for most leagues. I know I was in a league that drafted yesterday. Damien's got a league that drafts over the weekend. So 
<clears throat> excuse me, everybody's really thinking about that right now. But LSU football is just getting ready to get rolling, man. They are officially preparing for BYU. They have uh, ended their fall camp, and now they're shifting towards preseason camp. The Tigers are opening uh, next weekend against the uh, the BYU team over in Texas. Coach Ogeron made some big news yesterday when he announced that Danny Etling, the fifth-year senior, is going to be LSU's starting quarterback. Not a big surprise, I guess. Uh, everybody sort of expected Etling to be the guy. Uh, but then Miles Brennan showed up, and he, he looked really good in camp, and then it became kind of a two-horse race. Coach O said that Brennan is going to be the backup. He's going to be ready to go if anything happens to Etling. Uh, I guess your thoughts, partner, as the quarterback race is officially over, Miles uh, Brennan is going to be the backup. Danny Etling will be the starter. I've been an Etling guy since, I, I guess, since uh, training camp or, or whatever, fall practice, whatever started. And it just seems like that that the the ground that is being made up tremendously uh, by the second-string quarterback. My, my mind, why did my mind just not – Miles Brennan, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> it's been too long. We've been out of, out of practice for a week. Um, it just seems like that gap is closing very, very, very quickly. Um, some of the stuff that Coach O talked about, gave the stats in the last uh, what he calls preseason games, that they he's getting a lot of snaps. And kind of the depth chart was kind of set, I guess, through that. He didn't really say it in so many words that day, but shortly after he did announce it. Uh, Lowell Norsey's sticking with that third, that third position, that third quarterback spot. And the other guy that was in the the running, I guess, for McMillan. playing time. Well, I guess they have McMillan as well, but also Lindsey Scott, who yeah. transferred. Uh, that's kind of old news, but transferred to uh, East Mississippi Community College. So I'm happy that Edling's got the, the starting job. You know, he deserves it. He's, he's a a senior. He's, he's a leader. He has some experience, but I think Miles Brennan is, is very much on his tail. Here's, I guess, my thought is if Ed Ogeron were in the position of, say, a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer – where he has won a bunch of championships and has rings on his fingers and have different things that he could go back on. I think that this would be something that uh, would be easier to go to the freshman. Coach Ogeron failed at Ole Miss. Let's, let's be honest, he did. And now he's got an opportunity to make it right. Starting the fifth-year senior is a much safer move because if a season is going to fail at LSU, it's going to fail because your quarterback play is going to be terrible. And... For LSU, I think it's far more likely that the quarterback play would be terrible with an 18-year-old rather than a proven guy who, quite frankly, look, D, we saw Etling play last year. There were record-setting games last year with him under center. He can get the job done. He's not going to be an elite player, but at least you know what you're getting out of him. Last year, he he did tremendously. Well, he had some offense. Offensively, LSU did tremendously when Coach O took over, but he also had a Heisman Trophy candidate in his backfield, which he has another one this season. He's got a lot of weapons and – Pretty much like we've been saying the past couple of weeks, he just can't mess it up. I think Miles Brennan is the future. I thought Miles Brennan during his recruitment process would be the future, and he seems to be paying off already and showing that he will be able to be an SEC caliber quarterback. A lot of people uh, kind of just maybe swept under the rug the fact that they didn't play anybody in high school. He was kind of, sure. you know, it was in a smaller, um, I guess, group. It, when he did play in in, uh, in high school, but the guy, man, he had would have 400, 500 yard passing games, and we'd get to hear that on uh, you know on Saturdays during the <laughs> afternoon as biggest fans on the Bayou. But you know, there's no doubt that he's the future. I just hope Edling's just not uncomfortable where he has to look over his shoulder every time he makes a mistake because that's not a good recipe for a successful season. 
And I think that another element to this is if you start a senior and the season kind of slips away, you're not in national championship contention, you could go to a freshman and say, all right, hey, we're planning for the future. If you start a freshman and things go poorly, it's tough to then go to a senior because you still got to play Miles Brennan the next three years after that. I think the progression just kind of makes sense here. But it goes now to a philosophical question that I want to ask you is, Coach O also said, Miles Brennan's going to play. He's not going to start, he's going to play. He also said Narcisse is probably going to see some time as well. What he meant by that, I don't know. Does he mean they're going to play against Chattanooga when it's 55-7? to Or does he mean in the middle of the second quarter against BYU, if it's a one-score game, he's going to throw Miles Brennan in for a series? I don't know. But are you okay with the possibility of these freshmen playing and getting possible starter reps? No, because just what I just said, you, you lead into Danny Etling having to look over his shoulder constantly. And if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And we saw that multiple times in the Les Miles era, and that was one of the reasons that I did not really care for Les Miles. He just couldn't make a decision, couldn't stick with it. You had Jefferson, uh, Jordan Jefferson, Jarrett Lee, that whole uh, debacle, that was terrible on both ends. You're just setting yourself up for you, – listen – there's not a ton of Coach O fans uh, outside of Lafouche Parish. A lot of guys are, are just waiting for him to, to fail. And I think doing that and not having your confidence in, in your starting quarterback, just having him look, again, look over his shoulder, is gonna, it's not a good recipe for success. Are you getting excited, man? We're getting really close. This is Now we're going to the final stretch. If this is a harsh race, we're in the last stretch before the season. LSU is a 13-point favorite against BYU. The over-under something like 50 I got to tell you, I was talking about this with my dad a couple of days ago. I can't wait to see that first play of the game when, you know, look, in, in years past, first play of the game, they're going up the middle to Fournette or, you know, Allie Broussard or whatever running back they had at the time. I can't wait to see first and 10 LSU ball at the 25, shotgun four receivers. Let's spread this thing out. Listen, with all the hype that Matt Canada has, this might be like a double reverse pass to, <laughs> uh, you know, start the season. I'm, I'm anxious. I haven't been this excited at the beginning of an LSU football season in quite some time. I think they have the right man in charge. I think they have the right coordinators. And I think they have a ton of talent on the field to be very successful. Uh, we, we mentioned this. We talked about this a little bit uh, just in passing. Do you think that BYU play in that first game is going to have that much of an effect on that on LSU's opening game? I guess it sort of depends, right? Because, I mean, okay, I, I could bounce this back off of you as well. Is Okay, BYU is going to play, so that means they're going to get all the first-game jitters out that LSU is not going to. But at the same time, LSU now will have a game of film on them that BYU doesn't have. So, you know, I guess you could even flip it back again and say, well, BYU is playing a cream puff and they're not going to show anything. And, you know, they may even do some deception things to – trick LSU into seeing some things that aren't actually there so for me I kind of with a younger team I kind of would rather have the game but at the same breath if I had a more veteran team I would like to have the game of experience to or the game on tape rather so I could show my guys hey this is what they do this is how they do it what are your thoughts as a coach would you rather have the first game jitters gone or would you rather go into a game knowing exactly what your opponent's doing I, it could go both ways just like you said um for the first time in a long time, I could say this with some confidence. I trust my LSU football coaches that <laughs> if they have a game, they have a film, a game of film on a team that they could pick and kind of pick apart the offense and the defense to set themselves up for the right, you know, to be in the right, to have their players to be in the right spot. LSU's got some experience. Uh, they're not a, uh, they don't have a ton of freshmen and sophomores playing. Right. So I think the fact that 
you know, those first game jitters, I'd rather have the film than, than to worry about a first game jitter. Because look, let's be honest, LSU is more talented than BYU, and they should win the game handily. You said 13 points. I think that's being being very safe. So I, I would take the film and, and besides the pregame jitters. I think they'll be fine. That's, that's athletes that have been performing at the highest level in, in high school and, and college for quite some time. I, I think they'll be perfectly fine. Well, this could be a big test because the whole thing behind hiring Coach Ogeron was – we're going to surround them with the best coaches in the country. Those coaches now ha- are going to have a game to see their opponent, study their opponent. LSU better not be flat in the opener for a quarter or for a half or whatever it may be. They better be ready to go, and I think that they will be, but it's going to definitely be a good test for the new regime, so to speak, that LSU has in place. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see that flat, LSU being flat. I just don't see it. Any video you watch with Coach Aranda and, and Coach Canada coming in, the practices are amped up. And I can imagine just the game time, the pregame stuff is going to be is going to be very very fun to watch. Week one of college football is going to be very very fun to watch, and I'm not talking about you know we get a little bit of an appetizer this weekend. We got BYU and Rice, and you know Colorado State's playing Oregon State. We got a couple of games that are going to be going on, including that BYU game. That's like a dark match. <laughs> in in the true week one, the following weekend. We get number one Alabama and number three Florida State. That's going to be an unbelievable game. We get Michigan and Florida. We get, you know, it's loaded full of all these primetime matchups. I got to tell you, man, I'm really, really ready to see how this all goes down. And I think that, man, I even hate to say this living in the South, I think the SEC might have a tough opening day outside of LSU. I think Michigan's going to put it on Florida. And look out for Florida State against Alabama, man. Florida State has everything back. Alabama lost half of their roster to the NFL. I know that it's all being replaced by some five-star guys, but I think the SEC may have a tough opening day. Yeah, that's one thing this season. A lot of people are counting the SEC out. I I can't do it yet. I can't do it just yet. I know Saban's going to have his guys ready. And I, I like big-time games early because the, the voters, they kind of forget about, you know, all right, so let's say Alabama does drop that game. Is that going to affect them more? in the week one or would that be a more of a week nine loss where you kind of can't recover from it in, in the polls. That's a big thing, especially with the way college football is now, but Florida state, Alabama, that, that's a playoff matchup. One versus three. That's going to be an unbelievable game. That's going to be sort of the undercard for LSU locally, because that game's going to be before the Tigers take on the Cougars, but that's still weekend away in the present. Talk briefly about the new Orleans saints a little bit. They have played now two preseason games, lost to the Browns, and then defeated the Chargers. Um, I guess the big storyline right off the top is, look, I know that it's it's early. They ha- Hell, they haven't faced a starting quarterback at all yet. The Browns um, are juggling a couple of guys there. Osweiler was the guy who started that game. They've already said he's going to be on the way out. Rivers didn't play. But the defense, statistically at least, is ranked number two in the NFL in total defense so far in preseason. Do you buy that at all? Do you think that that's any... Uh, I, I don't think anybody's going to say the Saints are going to finish second during the season, but is this a sign that they may be in the top 15 in total defense in, the, in whenever the season starts? I got to admit, they, they do look a lot better. Looks like they're kind of in the right place. They got, I don't know if they just, I don't know if they have the talent on the defensive side of the ball to be that successful, to be a top 10 defense, top 15, you know, that, that's, that's average. So they, I think they do have enough coaching and enough skill to be able to be average. The thing I got a problem with, is I listened to a lot of talk radio mm-hmm. during the day, and they came away after that uh, game against the Chargers like, like some sports 
guys were playing the black and gold Super Bowl. Like it's <laughs> it's a preseason game. You know, uh, Matt Muscana was talking about the first time they win in a uh, preseason game in ten trials. You know, the preseason doesn't matter. Right. The fact that you've been not seven and nine the last three seasons that that's what matters. What no one wants to talk about is yeah they did win the game. But in the two practice scrimmages before the game, when Philip Rivers actually did play, the reporters all said the Chargers crushed him. So take it with a grain of salt. We'll see as the regular season is getting close. They're going to be playing the Texans this weekend. That is going to be sort of the dress rehearsal game, as, as the NFL guys like to say. Sean Payton hasn't come out and said that Drew Brees is going to play, but it is assumed that he, Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, all those guys will be in action. We were talking about this with Mello before the show started. That makes me a little bit nervous, man. You're going to be without Max Unger. You're going to be without Teron Armstead. And you're going to be putting your almost 40-year-old quarterback out there against J.J. Watt, Damian Clowney, and all those great linebackers the Texans have. We're going to see in that game whether or not the Saints offense is ready because they're going to be facing one beastly defense in the Texans. Yeah, like you said, this is the game. This is the only preseason game that I'll put any stock into. Uh, especially if Breeze and Adrian Peterson play, but being that beat up on the offensive line, you kind you got a very good point. I don't know if Breeze could get out the way anymore. I know he used to have a, a he had a tremendous uh, ability to avoid step up in the pocket and deliver that ball. You know he's a step slower now, stepping up in that pocket. And let me tell you, that Texans defense with JJ Watt is not a step slower. Those dudes will come after and make your life a, make your your life for for a quarter to live in hell. Yeah, the Texans are going to be an interesting team to watch, as will the Saints, of course. Now, another big storyline, in, in you know, addition to the defense, is Alvin Kamara, okay? Now, the, the Saints drafted this guy, and I didn't buy the hype at first. I saw him playing college. I thought he was okay, but I didn't think he was going to be a game changer. So far, uh, through two preseason games, he's looked the part. And what I mean by that is he's had some long runs, made some plays out of the backfield, and then the thing that I look for a lot with these young running backs is He's blocked pretty well, too. He's picked up the blitz protections. He's done a pretty, uh, pretty good job. Here's the problem. You got Ingram. You got Peterson. He is behind a loaded depth chart. Is this guy going to be a fantasy football sleeper, a guy that's going to get some minutes, or is he going to kind of just get lost in the shuffle? The backfield's too crowded. Um, you know, my, my notes just on him is can he return kicks? Can he return punts? Is he, is he a return guy? In college, he did. I mean, that would kind of be where he would make the team and – you know, two or three carries a game. Mark Ingram, you know, if he if he's tired, whatever. Adrian Peterson, not the most durable guy in the world. If those guys do, I, I think they need to keep him. He's 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 been very doing very well in the limited spots that we've seen him. He's got a bunch of long runs. He's got some speed. He's got some power. I, I, they keep him. You got to find a way to put him on the field. And Sean Payton, I'll give him this. He's an offensive guy. He's an offensive genius. I'm gonna, I'll I'll, I'll give him some props. Dude knows what he's doing. Doesn't use the running back position like like I would like it to be done, but he's got to wait, find a way to put him on the field. You got to find a way to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. Just throwing this out there: if you've been at practice now for a month or however long they've been out there at training camp, and if you really believe that Adrian Peterson is a hundred percent and is capable of holding up for the two years that he has on his deal in New Orleans, and someone calls in need of a running back and says, "Yo," Give me Mark Ingram. Would you be inter- willing to entertain that, knowing that you got the the young man who has next? Yeah, I mean, I think anybody's tra- anybody on that roster is tradable, especially 
I haven't seen Adrian Peterson yet. I don't. I haven't watched practice, but they know what he looks like. Yeah. yeah that all depends on on what he looks like. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to trade your number one back if you're. See, I, I'm going over last year. Mark Ingram being the number one back, but obviously AP would probably would be the number one back going into the season. You don't want to trade. I would. If you see what Adrian Peterson's doing, if he's doing well, I would put Ingram on the on the block. Here's the reason why I would consider it is because it's exactly what you just said. If it's fourth and one and you only got one guy that you can hand the ball to, right now you have a decision to make. And some guys in the locker room may think that ball should go to Ingram. Other guys may think it should go to Peterson. If you remove one guy out of the situation, it's going to free up some time for Kamara and it may be good for the locker room. I'm not saying that Peterson and Ingram don't like one another or anything like that but it just removes a future difficult decision that that coaching staff's going to have to make. Listen, they don't run the ball as it is, so you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be splitting carries with two uh I mean two starting running backs. But that keeps them fresh throughout the season. It can't you can't have too many studs yeah. on offense. You just it just don't work like it. No doubt. Now, briefly, let's talk a little bit of fantasy football here, man. I had a draft last night. I had the third pick. I was proud to say I got David Johnson from the Arizona Cardinals because a buddy of mine was an idiot and picked Drew Brees second overall. Um, you've got a draft this weekend. Do you have any notes? Do you have anybody that, that I'm not in the league with you, so you don't you could tell me your secrets. Mello over here is listening very carefully because he is in the same league with you. Do you have any surprises for us? Anybody that you're looking at that you're really happy about? I don't know. Melo hasn't won a game in that league in like four <laughs> years. So, um, listen, I, I'm not a big time professional football fan. I, I watch enough just to be able to come and kind of give my opinion on the situation. My strategy for this draft would be actually start looking at some stuff. <laughs> um, our our league is a 14 team league with a 16 man roster, so you got to go deep within the depth charts and. At the end of the draft, you gotta 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 kind of get lucky, and you want to make sure you score on your first round uh, picks. You want to go running back. Running back was a PPR league, so every time the running back touches the ball, you get a point. Uh, like you said, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, people are going Ezekiel Elliott now. I don't know. I I would kind of stay away from him. Sure, that seems like type of guy Melo would draft first overall <laughs> if he does get that. But pick. he's an Ohio State guy. Melo's a Michigan it, man. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, you got Jordan Howard. I, Odell Beckham, he's already banged up. That's going to pe- make people shy away from him. Uh, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green. And a guy I took last season kind of on a whim was uh, DeMarco Murray. He's going in the first round of a lot of mock drafts. He's so, been solid. Yeah, he's been he, solid. He did well last year. Like I said, I was we take eight teams in the playoffs. And uh, if you've got some stud running backs coming on at the right time, which I did, I made a run to the Super Bowl as an eight seed, upset the number one seed in the first round. And he's listening, so he's gonna he'll be angry on Friday. But nonetheless, kind of my my deal. I go for a couple running backs, try to get a quarterback, and then I'll I'll really work on my wide receivers. I hit it last year with Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs. He did really well, especially yeah. as a in a PPR league where he was returning some uh, some kicks and some punch back. So that was my that was my my guide to success. I'm gonna try to follow that same thing this season. So I think everybody really around the globe kind of agrees. All the rookie quarterbacks this year are kind of guys that you stay away from. Trubisky, uh, you know the the guy from Notre Dame that's playing for the Browns. His name escapes me. Watson with the Texans. Those are guys that are kind of a year away. Now let's talk about the running backs: Fournette, McCaffrey, Cook. If you had one middle round pick, which one of those guys would you want on your team for this coming season? Uh, Leonard Fournette is going to go extremely early in our draft because obviously it's all LSU, well, mostly LSU fans. Um, Christian McCaffrey is going to go extremely early because they got some 
couple guys in, in my league that just take that type of player. <laughs> I know where you're you going. I mean. uh, and like I said, you got 16 first round picks. So if you some most of the time, I'm not gonna lie, the first round pick and a first overall pick gets traded because you kind of want to pick in that middle section yeah. or even towards the end where you get it's a snake draft. So if you get 16, you get 17 as well. Yeah. yeah. If you get number one, you're not gonna pick for for a Until long 30, time. Three or whatever. So you got to make sure you hit on that pick and. Uh, last year the rookies did pretty pretty well, and I, I expect this the same. And they're like I said, they're gonna go pretty early in their draft. I want Christian McCaffrey, man. He, I don't. I like Leonard Fournette as a guy. He I think he, he you know he's a good guy. He was certainly a good ambassador for LSU during his time there. I like knowing that McCaffrey's got a good offensive line. He's got a situation where his quarterback is gonna run too to take some pressure off of him out uh, from in between the tackles. And the guy who catched the ball out of the backfield, which I think is, is certainly a, a benefit to him. That's the guy I would take. I'm also not sleeping on Cook, man. He was a good college player. Now he's going to be replacing Adrian Peterson. They've got a you know a decent setup there as well. I think that Cook might be a guy that, uh, that is going to get slept on that can maybe have a scary good year. You know, a couple uh, guys I got noted down for sleepers. You did mention sleepers. Uh, is it Jalen Richard? Richard. <laughs> The uh, running back or DeAndre Washington, whoever wins that job in Oakland, that's always a decent uh, middle to late round draft selection. The Raiders, you know, with uh, with Derek Carr coming to his own, coming into his own, they're they're gonna try to run the ball a little bit more this year. Um, another guy that I'm gonna get late, Melo's probably gonna write this down, is Bills backup running back Jonathan Williams. Um, McCoy, Shady McCoy has not been the healthiest guy in the world, so you kind of want to get that handcuff just to make sure you kind of you're taken care of down the road. You can't just play for week one; you got to play for late in the season as well. And last, last note, I'm going to give everybody a guy now uh, before our, our next commercial break. Scary good player, scary good fantasy player. He produces. He's on a team that loses. They're not going to have a winning record again this year. Carlos Hyde will quietly get you about 1,300 yards rushing, about six or seven touchdowns. If he's available in round four or five of your league, he's worth looking into. He's very similar to when Alfred Morris was kind of buried in Washington. He would silently get 1,100 yards every year. I think Carlos Hyde's due for a big year. Another important note with him, it is a contract year, so he's playing for money. Money motivates people. And uh, just before we go, another guy that we, that, I, that I'm going to look at, Melo's ink pen is smoking right now. <laughs> I'm writing this down so fast. Uh, another team that's probably not going to be that successful are, is the Jaguars. you got Marquise Lee. It's, they're going to throw the ball a ton because they're going to be down late in games, and that's something you look for uh, in a in a wide receiver. Some a team that's maybe not going to be very good, they're just going to get a ton of yards, and it don't necessarily have to be successful in the NFL in the wins and loss to be successful in the wins and loss in fantasy football. Hey Amen. Mello usually goes and takes three or four smoke breaks per segment. We start talking fantasy football, his ass stays glued to that chair for the entirety of the segment. So let's take our first break. So give our man Mello a break when we get back. We'll talk the Kyrie trade. And I got a theory. I think the Celtics are the best team in the East. We'll debate that. If you're listening to one more round. We'll be right back after this. If you're in the market for a screen printed vinyl t shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, 
please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to the One More Round Studios. Casey Justclare here with Damien St. Pierre, Mello at the computer. Man, we talked good football for about probably 25, 30 minutes in the last segment. Now we're going to talk some NBA basketball. Never stops, man. And in this NBA offseason, it truly has never stopped. As big news yesterday, we were uh, both at Biddy Registration and we were looking at our phones and seeing, hey, there was a rumor Kyrie Irving was maybe going to be going to the Boston Celtics for Isaiah Thomas. Well, that may be turned into definitely pretty quickly as that trade got done right away within the next hour or so it was completed. Kyrie Irving is going to be going from Cleveland to Boston. In exchange, Boston is going to be sending back Isaiah Thomas, uh, Jay Crowder, a European center that has not yet made his debut, I don't believe, and then a uh, draft pick. probably going to be a lottery pick from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it was Everybody sort of got an opinion on this. Everybody sort of is on one side or the other. Some people are saying, well, man, Isaiah Thomas averaged 29 points a game. He was, you know, third or fourth in MVP voting. That was better than Kyrie Irving. Then the other folks, which align in uh, with how I feel about this, was Kyrie is not posting the same numbers as Isaiah Thomas, but he's being hidden by Kevin Love and LeBron James. And now that he's got a situation where he can maybe thrive a little bit, he is going to probably prosper. For a Boston team that is better coached than Cleveland with Brad Stevens, has some really good role players now. Gordon Hayward's a star player. They still got Al Horford. They've drafted some guys. Jalen Brown's coming on. They got Tatum from Duke. Damian St. Pierre, who won this trade? I think, hands down, the Boston Celtics win it for next year. I think in the future, if Cleveland cashes in that pick, all bets may be off. But for next season and next season only, I think the Celtics got better and the Cavs got worse. When we originally talked about it at last night, we said it was Kyrie Irving for Crowder and Isaiah Thomas. And I was thinking to myself, self, who would make this deal? I know Bill Simmons is going to have a podcast in the next 16 seconds praising <laughs> the brass of the Boston Celtics. Well, that Nets pick got thrown in there, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing that has me concerned about this whole pick. If you've listened to any of these podcasts that we've been doing for the last three months, you know that I'm a Kyrie Irving guy. Sure. I think the only reason the Cavaliers won the NBA championship two years ago was because of Kyrie Irving because of that Game 7 performance. And I think one of the only reasons that they made it to the finals this season was because of Kyrie Irving. I think he has the ability to be one of the top 10 players in the league. I don't think he's there yet, but I do think he has the ability to do that. Isaiah Thomas came on tremendously strong this season. He's a big-time scorer. But do the Cleveland Cavaliers get any closer to beating the Golden State Warriors with this pick, with this trade? Not at all. Um if there's a knock on Isaiah Thomas, look, Isaiah Thomas is a tough guy, and he really became the darling of the playoffs last year because, oh, you know, he had his whole situation with his sister and everything, and he really got a lot of publicity and a lot of notoriety, 
And he had a great season. There's no doubt about it. He averaged 29 points a game. Um, but Kyrie Irving is bigger, taller, stronger, a better defender. And I think that he's proven. We've seen Kyrie make shots in Game 7 of the NBA Finals on the road. In Isaiah Thomas's biggest stage, the Cavaliers were shutting him down to nothing and not letting him really have any success at all. So I think that, uh, that, that Boston got better in this deal. And I think that they're going to be in a situation now where I think they're going to be the best team in the Eastern Conference next year. The, the pick is going to make this, like I said, it's going to help Cleveland in the future. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to be a future where I don't think LeBron James is going to be there. So quite frankly, it's going to be rebuilding. I think for the present, Boston won this deal. I, I agree, as my man Richie Mott would say. Because after next season, Isaiah Thomas doesn't have to be there. Yeah, uh, you know he he's coming up. His contract's coming up. Everybody knows that LeBron James is leaving Cleveland. That's not a very good secret anymore. I, they're setting themselves up with, like I said, that Nets pick, that Boston. That, that I guess that had to be the deal maker right there. That Boston pick. That uh, excuse me, that Brooklyn uh, selection is going to be a lottery pick. I don't. I don't. I didn't read anything about it being uh, lottery protected or first three protect, top three protected, anything like that. It may be for the next few years, but look, Brooklyn's not going anywhere no. anytime soon. It's going to eventually be a great pick. Now, let me ask you a question. We mentioned Isaiah Thomas last season, last season, last season playoffs. Just where the hell was he before this? A little time in Phoenix. Um, a little time with Sacramento. This this was his breakout year, though. There's no question. And how many championships does he have? None. No, he's never been okay. close. Yeah. I'm going to acquire a point guard that's proven uh, more than one season, has a ring. I'm going to take that over a point guard that I'm going to call uh, a flash in the pan last season. He's not proven that he could do it again. Kyrie Irving has proven himself time after time that he could be on that top level. Uh, he's a top-level point guard in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas, one season so far. Cleveland is really uh, gambling on this, and I think – I think they have to this year. I think that this this is their final season that they're going to be ultra competitive. After that, it's going to go back to that rebuilding stage. So now Brad Stevens has some tools that he can work with. Is a lot of people don't want to really like a lot of the the folks that are saying that the Cavaliers won this trade don't want to talk about the fact that in the playoff series last summer, the only game the Celtics won was a game that Isaiah Thomas didn't play, and that the Celtics quite frankly started playing better. Once Isaiah Thomas got injured because the ball was being spread out, more guys were getting involved. I'm not trying to say that they were better without him um, and that they, they didn't need him or anything like that for the course of the year. But I think if you give a coach pieces that fit, and Brad Stevens is a, is a wizard. He is one of the better coaches in the league. And now you got Kyrie who could get you a bucket at any time. You add Gordon Hayward. Horford is a five that could stretch the floor. And you throw that in the mix with some of the lottery picks that they've had. I don't want to run into them in a seven-game series if I'm in the Eastern Conference because I think now they're the team to beat. Let me tell you how cutthroat the NBA basketball basketball world is. You had a guy in Isaiah Thomas that played for you, but he set out one game when his sister passed away. No, no game. He, he played the next all. day. And then, oh, okay. Uh, you play. You give your, your guts and glory to this team. We're going to go ahead and trade you. That That's some cutthroat stuff right there, but... I guess the, the the market was right for uh for Cleveland. The thing about another thing about this trade before I even get into that, how do you trade to a big time conference rival? I listened to again a lot of sports radio and and Bill Simmons, who's the biggest Celtics homer in the entire world, uh, had a whole podcast. It was uh, the eight best trades that involving Kyrie Irving, where he could go and whatnot. And one of the things was Cleveland. Uh, it was uh Boston because obviously he wanted them there. And the stuff he brought was kind of 
you know, he did mention the Brooklyn pick and whatnot, and he's that guy's gonna go insane. The 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 Celtics are made of they they're gonna be a winning ball club. They won last year. They got better. Uh, through the draft, through free agents, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. I just don't understand how you trade to one of your biggest conference rivals, your, one of your best players. It is strange that those two teams would choose to do business with one another, especially given where they are in the hierarchy. Look, Boston's not done with the draft picks either. They still have a Lakers pick in their uh, in their arsenal that they could cash in. They may have another top five pick uh, in the following draft. So I'm curious to see how they piece their roster together. Um but, you know, we talk about, okay, why would these teams come together? Why would they be the ones to make a trade? I think it's because Cleveland has two masters to serve. They want to win this year, but they also want to protect themselves for the future. And what better way to protect yourself for the future than to, if LeBron James says, all right, adios amigo, I'm gone. You then now have the ability to just not re-sign Isaiah Thomas, have a lottery pick built in, and just start over with a clean salary cap. Uh, it's almost like what the Bulls would have liked to have done once Michael retired but didn't have the opportunity to do. I think they're trying to make sure that the, uh, the, the pavement at the end of the road is not quite as bumpy as it may otherwise have been. Yeah, and they are doing a good job, uh, you know, just surrounding LeBron. They, they got this one year left. That, I guess that's where they're kind of putting a lot of their chips in. And after that, it, they got to start from the start from scratch. But you are in the Eastern Conference where pretty much – teams are scratch yeah so i guess it can't really be that bad now playing devil's advocate here i was having a conversation with my buddy at the office Uh, we were you know having lunch and you know talking about this whole trade and this whole situation if you're lebron james man okay you got probably what another two three years left where you're the guy a lot of folks could argue that kevin durant may have already caught him but i think lebron may still be the top guy um if you are looking for another home and you're looking for a place to go for the future and that lottery pick becomes the number one overall pick, wouldn't you then re-sign with Cleveland? Look, the only way Cleveland could get better, they don't have any salary cap money. The only way they could get better is through the draft. Now they've got a joker in there that they can maybe get a dynamite player in the draft. I think this, in a strange way, may end up helping them keep LeBron James. I really think that... and. I really think LeBron is going to end his career in kind of a, uh, you know, like these big time bands going like these reunion tours or like a, a last tour or whatever. <laughs> I think he's going to do that. I really think he's going to go. Everybody's saying he's going to LA, wherever he goes, LA, New York, whatever. It's going to be a big market team. I don't, I really, no matter what the Cavs do, I think he's going. Let me ask you a question. I think so. That. Yeah. I think he's going to try to get with Melo. He's going to try to possibly get with Chris Paul, and they're going to. End, I, I truly believe they'll end their career together, kind of like a like a uh, like a Rolling Stones that you know kind of never stops. And I, I really think that maybe it's just a it's a dream of mine to see that happen because I would hate it. So <laughs> I'm a big time hater. I think that's how he's going to end his career. I just do not see. No matter what happens, I don't see him in Cleveland. Well, one NBA team currently in the uh, association is going to have two of those three guys that you mentioned next season. So. Ron, you're more than welcome to come on down to Houston, Texas next year, but that's another argument for another day. Um, A lot of NBA fans locally were wondering why didn't the Pelicans get involved in this whole situation, and it brings up an interesting point, which is if you were the Cleveland Cavaliers now and you get the sense that LeBron James is needing a little bit of coaxing to, to try to stay, and this I saw this on a message board, if the Cavaliers offered the Pelicans Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Love, 
that Nets pick and then another first-round pick in the future, would you give up Anthony Davis for that package? I, I saw the same thing. No, I wouldn't. I'm AD is a once-in-a-lifetime player. Some look beside excuse, besides AD, who have who have the Pelicans landed on for a draft pick? <laughs> so you're, you're pretty much looking at the first-round picks like nothing. All right, so that that's nothing to trade uh, AD for two players like that. At plus two draft picks, I, I just don't see it happen. AD is a once-in-a-lifetime player. you got to hold on to him as long as you can. I agree with that. And we'll talk a little bit of college basketball before we end this segment. I saw a, a headline. It was actually right before I was driving here. Um, we followed the case of Mitchell Robinson quite a bit here on this show. He was, you know, Western Kentucky signee, backed out of that. He's not going to play for Western Kentucky, got his release. He then came up with a list of finalists. Uh, Kansas, LSU, UNO, he made a bunch of visits. LSU sort of dropped out. Then it was between Kansas and UNO. Now the headline is saying Mitchell Robinson is not expected to play college basketball next season, which leads me to believe he's going to probably sign either in the D-League or you know Puerto Rico or Spain or somewhere where he can make a little money. First off, I guess it, it makes sense now as to why LSU didn't pursue him as heavily as we thought that they may because I don't think this guy ever was serious about playing college basketball anyway. There's something fishy going on about the whole Mitchell Robinson situation. The fact that he got the fact that Will Wade is doing what he's doing in recruiting and he left Baton Rouge without a commitment, went to uh to Kansas, left Kansas without a commitment, and then kind of started for a little while and then ended up at UNO. Look, I'm not saying anything bad about the UNO program cuz Lord knows we love him. But if you if you come in there, something happened at those two other schools or Maybe not something happened. Maybe they found out something on that visit that they didn't offer or, or could, a deal couldn't be made that you had to come to you and know there's something going on. He's listening to either the wrong person or the wrong person did something in his career or in his, you know, just in his general area. I, it's weird, man. And, and I posted that on our Twitter. There's something going on in that, that whole program with him. And everything I'm reading now, and just like you said, he's not going to be anywhere near a college basketball court this year. He's, I don't know, just go play overseas, get you a year because he's going to be an NBA guy. I don't know if he's going to stick in there, but he's going to be – one team will take a chance on him. He's an athletic seven-foot guy. Those guys don't get passed up on. If I were counseling him, I would just tell him to take the year off, stay in shape because the only thing that could happen, yeah, you go play overseas, you make some money. But what happens if you struggle over there? Then your draft stock falls. If you just stand pat – you're going to be a lottery pick. He was projected to be, you know, in the top 10 of the NBA draft for the next year. Yeah, it'd be nice to go make a hundred grand or whatever it may be playing overseas for a year, but you could really damage yourself if you go over there and you don't play well and you show that you're not ready. I would just take the year off, get in shape, get bigger, stronger, do everything you need to do. I don't know if I'd want to take a whole season off, but why not uh, sign, even though you can't play? I wonder if that has something to do with Stansberry from Western Kentucky not giving him his full release. Nobody's mentioned that, but I don't know if that's a if that's in the realm of things. But why not? Uh, if you if you don't if you want to sit out a year, why not walk on to a Kansas or to an LSU and get a practice all season with some top flight athletes, some top flight coaching? You won't get paid, but neither you're not going to get paid either sitting out. If you have that possibility uh, financially to be able to do that, you're still going to get scouts. Scouts are going to come watch you no matter what uh, overseas or in Baton Rouge or or in Kansas or or wherever, get that practice in. Uh, there's a coach somewhere that's going to give him a shot, at least to go to school there. Locally, some big news. Nickel State University got a commitment from A.J. Rainey, H.L. Bourgeois guard. He's got another season of eligibility. He is now going to be joining uh, Coach Riley out there in Thibodeau. 
I think that's a pretty good move. And then uh, also baseball-wise, Connor Brune and Austin Cantrell, South Terrebonne and South Lafouche baseball players, they committed to Nickel State University as well. Colonels have had a big week, get three big local commitments. I think that's great for their athletic department. Yeah, any both coaches, uh, Seth Thibodeau, baseball, is doing a good job. And keeping those local guys here, uh, Austin and Connor, that's two, ba- two year-round baseball players. Uh, we're lucky enough to have Austin on our basketball squad this year. He's doing tremendous. And uh, anytime you can keep guys like that in, in our area, not even in state, in our area, that that's a plus. And then A.J. Rainey, this, this, kid, this kid could play. Uh, he's one of the top players in our area. He has a great support system as well, and uh, he'll fit in right uh, in Thibodeau and, and in the Coach Riley system. Now, with Rainey on board, you're going to be seeing a world where in the future they're going to have he, Kevin Johnson, Ray Blades on that bench. Look, whenever Coach Riley got the job, he was very open about, I want to recruit local. Now, then his first recruiting class was not local at all, and some people were kind of critical of him because of that, but now the plan's starting to come along and they're going to start having some of that local talent on the bench. Yeah, then that's what keep people that's what no, oh, excuse me. I'm off tonight, man. <laughs> that's what kind of keeps people in the stands. You want to see some local guys succeed and they've had some decent success with some local talent mm-hmm. uh playing well uh in Thibodeau. I, you got to kind of have a mix cuz let's just face it, not every guy from our area is going to be successful and not every guy from my area warrants a a scholarship. So you got to go out of our area and make sure that you have a team that could that could compete. And obviously, Coach Riley is doing that with the talent he has on his roster and the season he had last year. No doubt. And speaking of Nichols, they're going to be taking on McNeese a week uh, or a week from now on next Thursday. Um, I'm trying to, to get out to that game. I hope that you guys join me out there. I think that's going to be some fun. From all accounts that I've been given, I've had an opportunity to watch them practice a couple times. I don't know how they look in comparison to the other Southland teams, but I know how they look in comparison to how they looked in years past. This is the best Nichols football team we've had in a while locally. I think they're going to be primed for a good year. Casey, you and I were talking about the quarterback spot, and you mentioned a uh, you know Forkate obviously is is the the stud guy there, but you mentioned a, a backup quarterback. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Toscani Figaro, man, he was a two or three year starter. Uh, he's now a fifth or maybe even a sixth year guy. He was a guy who redshirted, got injured last year, whatever. Completely different ball player than Forkate. Forkate's a pocket passer. Toscani's a, I think, two-time thousand-yard rusher. Those two guys are pushing one another, and they're going to probably both play. They're going to have some packages for Toscani out there. But that's a guy to look out for because, look, I thought he was graduated. He was a senior last year. He didn't see the field. They were very quiet about the fact that he was injured. He applied for a medical red shirt, got it. So now he's got his sixth season. Look out. He's going to see some time on that field, and he's dangerous. He's a two-time thousand-yard rusher at the quarterback position. It's another element that Coach Rebo is going to be able to utilize in that offense. I'm definitely interested in going to uh, see as many Nichols games as possible. I know we always try to get out there. Our schedule sometimes on the weekend limits us, but it's going to be an exciting year in Thibodeau. And, look, I know a lot of people that have been in college for six years. <laughs> I was not one of them, but I know quite a few of them who who had that sixth year of eligibility, so to speak. As long as you're willing to pay the tuition, they're going to keep you around. Let's take our next break. When we get back, the big fight is this weekend. Mayweather McGregor is finally going to be happening. And we'll also wrap up that segment talking some SummerSlam. We're going to have a little bit of fun out in Vegas as well. They've got some interesting betting props that will keep you in tune with. You're listening to one more round. We'll be right back after this. Hey, bro, let's go fishing. And Steve, we can't. That storm cracked all my lines and sunk my shallow. What are we going to do? 
But what about Max? Let's call Max him. Max? Yeah, to Gibson. Don't be like those Kuyans. Visit Max Plays on Send the Gang Online today at www.fishtidewater.com. That's Tidewater Charters at www.fishtidewater.com. And welcome back to the One More Round Studios. Casey just Blair here with Damien St. Pierre Mello working the computers. We've had two really good segments so far. We've talked some basketball, we've talked some football, LSU and the Saints, and even some fantasy football, all that good stuff. But now we've got to go and look forward into the future. We've got a busy weekend ahead. Man, it feels like we've been breaking down this Mayweather-McGregor fight for about six weeks now, and it's quite frankly because we have been breaking it down for that long since it broke. We've been given every in and out that there is possible regarding this fight. We've talked to different uh, you know, fighters, both on the MMA and the boxing side. We've talked to people who have done both. They've done the media tour. They've done the press conferences. They've done all the, the different build-up and everything like that. And now it's finally here. We're recording this on Wednesday. This is going to probably drop on Thursday or Friday at the latest. The fight is going to be happening on Saturday out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, the Las Vegas line has Mayweather heavily favored. He would be even more heavily favored than he is if not for all the money that's going toward McGregor on the books, which has sort of skewed the line a little bit. So, partner, we've had the entire buildup. We've had all the different drama, Pauli Malinaji this and sparring camp that and everything what are your final thoughts here i guess as we sort of put a bow on our pre-fight coverage and for our next show we'll be then having post-fight coverage of how this all went down uh it's it's down to business right now i watched the final press conference today which was media only but uh, they did stream it live on uh, on showtime and both fighters were a little bit different first off uh mcgregor showed up two hours late from what i understand and that's that's very non-professional. No matter no matter what type of games you're trying to play with your opponent, whatever. You know, he he was the first. Actually, um, Suleiman Jose Suleiman's son, who is now the director of the WBC, came out and announced that this title is going to be for something that the WBC calls the money title. Mm-hmm. Now, as soon as you say that, I know you're a wrestling fan. Ted DiBiase comes to mind, so I said, ah, we'll take a look at this belt. It mimics that title. The actual plate of the belt is off-centered, so they could uh, keep the alligator skin intact so you could almost see the head and see the tail and of course the wbc logo is in the middle it's a big uh circle made of uh 24 karat gold with diamonds and stuff in it now you got your title on the line a guy that's never fought a professional boxing fight that's interesting if if you've ever needed to know why we don't talk about titles when we're talking about boxing i think that's a good indication of why that's a good indication of where the titles are now in boxing today so uh, after that, you know, um, the their, uh, athletic director for the Nevada State Athletic Commission came in. And he talked, um, you know, a few, a few guys that have been part of the promotion. Everybody's, you could tell everybody's kind of got that sigh of relief feeling because all their big-time work's done. Uh, McGregor took the stage, and he was kind of the same, saying that he was going to – he even had the stones to say that he was going to stop him. He could stop him at any time, but he was going to stop him in the second round. Said that he could put him out in the first round. I don't know about that. Um, uh, Mayweather kind of said a few things, and McGregor shut him down. Then Mayweather came in, and listen, I was impressed by this. Very classy. Uh, pretty much thanked everybody that's, that's worked with him as sparring partners, and then even went and uh, thanked Conor McGregor for the promotion and uh, assured him uh, that he had a, 
a great camp and you know he knew he was gonna be ready for a fight because he's, he's a you know he's a professional an athlete so basically all the hard work is done for these guys the sparring's done the pretty the training's pretty much done you kind of want to see if you want to wait something that did uh kind of catch my eye as a former boxing guy mcgregor zero water in front of him not taking any drinks or anything of any of, of any sort mayweather chugging water on the other side i believe the contractual weight is 155 pounds for this fight i don't know if, uh, if that's something mcgregor is going to struggle with i know mayweather really hasn't had any weight problems his entire career especially now moving up so that's going to be something to see on friday night at, at the weigh-in that was exactly the next place where i was going to go with you is that i saw a headline now it's it's been a, something that's been kept very quiet because you know the, obviously the people that are billing this and selling this they don't want any indication that there's any trouble or any, you know, water leaking out of the boat, so to speak. Floyd Mayweather's camp is a little concerned that Connor's not going to make weight. As you said, it's 155. Like you said today he was at the news conference not drinking any water or anything like that, which would indicate that that is somewhat of a concern. Um, first things first, I guess, is if he does not make weight, are we still talking about a fight happening Saturday? And then second... If and this is more of a technical thing, but you, you know you've done some promoting. I know that he's going to lose a substantial amount of his purse if he does not make weight. Where does that money then go? Does it go to Mayweather? Does it go to the promoter? What happens in that situation should he come in overweight? That's going to be tremendously interesting. And just to preface this comment, um, for weeks and even months now, our buddy Brian Colley, who was the athletic director at Salafouche High School, has been saying that this fight will not happen. And even last weekend, uh, joining him at his house, saying this fight's not happening. So I don't know if he knows something that we don't, but that's a possibility. Mayweather could just flat out say, I'm not fighting this guy, and he's not obligated to fight him uh, contractually because he uh, McGregor would have broken the contract at that point. Do I think that's going to happen? Absolutely not. I think Mayweather will – I believe you, you're going to have two hours to make the weight. So if you come in – Let's say uh, eight ounces overweight, you're going to have two hours to go kind of dry out, which fighters normally um, go sit in the sauna or get in the, the sweat bag and go run a little bit or jump rope, whatever. If you don't make that, then it comes down to money. Mayweather's going to hold him up for a tremendous amount of money because McGregor pretty much would lose all credibility at that point if the fight didn't happen because you're going to come in and, you know, your first boxing match and you can't make the weight. That's going to be interesting. That, oh, man. That, that may happen. Sounds like Friday may be a very interesting day if you like to see some chess being played. You know, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on that. Quick note about our buddy Coach Kale and, and some of his fortune-telling skills. I was at his house for the Super Bowl. The Falcons are winning 28-3. to That joker was sitting to my right. He said, this game's going to overtime. Rock Thibodeau, to his right, said, no way, Brian. This game's not going to overtime. I, to his left, said, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to overtime. That damn game went to overtime. So it's just something to keep an eye on. He says the fight's not happening. He's done this crazy type of prediction stuff before. Listen, I've had the pleasure to work with Coach Kali for the past five seasons, going on my sixth, and I, there's not much that he says that I just, ah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> He's, his credibility is at 100%. Okay, so we're going to make some picks for this fight in just a minute, but before we do that, Mayweather in the pre-fight buildup has been very vocal about I'm 40 years old now. I've slowed down. I'm not the same guy that I used to be. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, the dominant fighter I used to be. I was kind of having some conversations with some buddies off air. Is this fight here against Conor McGregor? Should it happen? 
Is this going to be the last that we see of Floyd Mayweather? Or is he going to be up for some other challenges in the future, regardless of how he looks against McGregor on Saturday night? I think the only fight that he has left would be another McGregor fight. If McGregor would happen to land a punch at some time in the fight or make it interesting, I think he would rematch him. I thought he was done after his last fight. I don't know if he's, I hate to say, having money issues to be able to come back and have to do this fight because uh, the dude's going to make a tremendous amount of money. He may make $200 million for this fight, which will be his largest purse uh, in the history. I think probably the largest person in boxing history or any type of uh, martial arts history. The only thing that would make sense was to have him fight McGregor again if, uh, like I said, if McGregor would have any success against him. Okay, now you've, you've been in some of these boxing camps before. Knowing that you can make $200 million in this fight and that you probably will, and knowing that there's a possibility of this fight happening again, is there ever the conversation as the favorite of, yeah, let's kind of make this interesting, but as I was telling Mello before we went on the air, you don't want to bury him and beat him in two rounds because then no one's going to want to see McGregor ever again. Now, I know from you know coaching basketball, you want to win the game. You want to put the game away as early as possible because if not, you're going to go nuts. But these guys have egos. These guys have you know, families to feed and people to feed. Is there ever the conversation of maybe let's just play around with him for a little while, make this a little more interesting than it needs to be? A lot of people say you play basketball, you play football, you don't play boxing. You got to take it serious because one punch in a basketball game, if you're up by 40 points with a minute left, you have zero shot of, win, of winning right. of, or losing that game. But in boxing, it could be the 12th round with 10 seconds left and they hit that, that – uh, that hammer you got 10 seconds left doesn't matter if you lost the first 11 rounds you still got a shot at winning that fight and you, you I don't think he's he's 49 and 0 for a reason and it wasn't uh 40 wins and well, I'm gonna try to take off a couple of rounds that's not gonna happen there's way way too much build up in this fight there's gonna be way way too many uh pay-per-view buys to, for him to have any let down at all okay so I mean we've built up forever and a day now I'm gonna ask you how is this fight going to end What's your pick? What's your official prediction for the Mayweather-McGregor fight? I'm going to say a stoppage. I'm not going to say he's gonna, Mayweather's going to knock McGregor out. I'm going to say a TKO victory in round four. Okay. And that's my first official prediction that I've given. I'm going to go Mayweather um, knocks him down in the fifth. McGregor gets up, and then Mayweather pounces on him until the referee stops it in the middle of the fifth round. So I think we're both kind of early, mid-round kind of situation. Melo, do you want to give us some hand signals here? I know you're a Mayweather guy. What round do you think this fight's going to end? Melo's saying the second round. Um, hell, we've got a nice uh, Facebook contest. We're giving away some stuff here. You want to go one more round, studios on Facebook or Twitter, at one underscore more round. Damien, tell them about some of the prizes that you could win. Uh, so we decided to kind of we, – we're trying to up our followers here on our, on our social media, get our listens up, and – we have some access to some pretty good swag. Um, for your prediction in the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor bout, all you got to do is comment on any, any of our social media uh, posts. If we get over 100 predictions in the fight for the fight, you're gonna win a signed boxing glove by former world champion and Olympic gold medalist Kennedy the King McKinney. That's some pretty good stuff right there. Um, and look, that's not a uh, unattainable goal because we we got a lot of, we got a good bit of followers. So just go ahead and comment. That's all you got to do to enter. It doesn't take anything else. An Olympic gold medalist and a world champion. All you've got to do is 
drop a you know a line saying hey Mayweather and six or McGregor and two or whatever it may be. So that's easy enough. That's on our social media. We got that going on now. We're going to talk some some Las Vegas here because Vegas is having a ton of fun regarding this fight. But quickly, I want to talk some wrestling and then also some MMA as a whole. What the hell's going on with Bone Jones, man? The reports are that he failed a drug test after beating uh, Cormier. This is now going to be his second failed test. He was suspended a year once. Now he's going to be facing maybe two years and maybe even beyond. He's getting close to that being banned territory now. There were the big rumors of, oh, man, he's going to have this super fight with Brock Lesnar. They're both serving drug suspensions now in, in UFC world. That is pretty much on hold now. Uh, I guess what are your thoughts? I mean, it's, you know, we joke about it. We make fun of UFC and all that. That's all well and good. But this guy's a great talent, and it really is a shame to see him flushing his talent down the drain. I just don't understand the the usage of the banned substances because you know you're getting, uh, you know you're going to get tested after the fight and in the the preceding days to the fight and you're gonna get caught man just 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 go fair he's a he's a world-class uh mma guy just just beat guys you know don't don't cheat just can we not cheat and he's not really been threatened so i don't know why the insecurity of him feeling like he needs this to get that extra edge it's just arrogant to me i mean like you said you know you're gonna have to pee in the cup at the end of the fight or take the blood test or whatever it may be why even take that risk? He's costing himself seven figures, eight figures, and even beyond in his future earnings. He had set himself up tremendously for a fight with Lesnar. That's what everybody wants to see. Once that was on the table, uh, you know, he, he got his name out there a little bit more. Look, I'm not a UFC guy. I tell you the truth, I'm not a Bones. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't pick him out of a Bones Jones out of a lineup. But I know Brock Lesnar, and I know that he's had some, some success in the cage. I know Bones Jones is a champion, and I'd pay to see it or at least stream it somewhere. Shifting to the sport that is a little bit more lenient in their drug testing, let's talk about SummerSlam now. Is Look, we we are very um, pessimistic about a couple of things on this show. Us? The Saints football being one, the Pelicans being another thing, WWE being a third thing. I've got to tell you, bro, for as pessimistic as we are about wrestling at times, I thought SummerSlam was pretty damn good. I didn't like every result, but I liked almost every match. I thought that the workers really performed to a high level, and I thought that that main event, that last match, was unbelievably good. I tell you, I was watching my brother and my nephew. Both of those, you know, they're both casual wrestling fans, and for the last 15 minutes of the show, all three of us were glued to the TV wanting to see what was going to happen next. And any time in a world in, in 2017 where... The internet leaks everything and everybody knows everything before it happens. You could have a situation where everybody's kind of glued to it like that. I think they, they, they knocked it out of the park. All right. So first off, it's way too much positivity, so let me trash this. <laughs> um, so Sunday, one of my favorite days of the week, uh, my daughter wanted to go and swim. So I don't have a million bucks, so we have an inflatable pool that got dirty. went clean it. Uh, I had one of our buddies text me what match they were on. Mm-hmm. So first match was... Um, the was John Cena, Baron Corbin. Terrible. I stayed outside drinking beer. Right. Didn't watch it. Okay. There, uh, Baron Corbin's little run he had is officially over because he had some. He started some Twitter beef with a, uh, an Army veteran, which was retarded. Uh, second match, SmackDown Women's Championship. Guess where I was? Still at the pool. Another beer. All right. Uh, third match, Big Cass, Big Show. Guess where I was? Still at the pool. Still at the pool. I actually kind of like that match. So I, yeah. Okay. So I did come in at the end. I got to see. Um, uh, what's uh, 
Enzo uh, slick himself up and get through, which that did nothing for me. Next match. So I was pumped up, you know, got a couple of beers, a couple of adult beverages, sat down. Then you got Rusev and Randy Orton. That was surprising. That 10-second match, that was surprising, right? I'm not surprised by the winner, but how it happened, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you kind of figured Orton was going over. I thought it was pretty cool. Rusev attacked him early, and then he came back uh, when he finally got his, his wits with him and gave him the RKO out of nowhere. Uh, next match, slept through that one. Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss couldn't tell you who won. Uh, Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt. I know most of the people in this room are Finn Balor guys. I don't get the hype. I think that they absolutely trashed Bray Wyatt just because his name was good for a little while and that he's a quality win. He's kind of that former world champion boxer that kind of went home, uh, got a couple wins, and now he's going back out on the road and, and ruins himself. Uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins against Cesaro and Sheamus. I thought that was a pretty good match. I thought that was a, that was a good match. Um, the beach ball was was incredibly clever. I thought that was cool. Listen, when you're trying to get over as a heel, and Cesaro probably has a little trouble because people like the guy. Mm-hmm. He looks like a, a likable fella. You got to go above and beyond to get yourself hated. And guess what? <laughs> Smashing <laughs> somebody's beach ball will do it. Uh, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens. Again, anytime you put those guys in the ring together. You're going to have a good match, but seeing them 15 straight times. And then again, they did it last night. I'm not sure if you caught that, but apparently that's over. I'm glad it's over. Styles needs to be in that world championship uh, talk. In fact, there's no reason that he's not the world champion. And then, uh, of course, the SmackDown or the WWE championship on SmackDown, Jinder Mahal beat uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, which, again, good match. I don't think Nakamura can possibly be in a bad match. I thought it was pretty cool. And listen, we hate everything, right? Uh, the Singh brothers helped out Mahal in that match like they do every match. Mm-hmm. Last night, the Singh brothers took on Nakamura. I thought yeah. that, I thought that was pretty cool. And then the main event, that's what, we're, that's what I really was rushing through. I had to get to. Got four big guys. Not always my favorite, right? So I kind of was a little off about the match. But anytime I'm going, I'm watching this by myself, and my wife's on the sofa doing no, – she's a teacher. She was doing teacher stuff. That's what she does okay. 24-7, which I respect. Uh she hears me say, oh, oh. She's like, what are you doing? I said, just watch this for a little while. Next thing I know, she's watching. <laughs> and that was just the way that they try to take the champion out real quick. Everybody in that match looked strong. And anytime you could do that in a four-way match, you've succeeded. Brock Lesnar kept the world championship. I think that's where it needs to be right now. Set up. He could set up a few with any of those three guys, which they're going to go to Braun Strowman, and we talked about earlier. Probably a little too early for that. I'm not ready for that. I think that there are other guys on the roster he could comb through to kind of kill some time before WrestleMania. Um, but how about that? I'm looking at your phone here. They got the card. That was a 20-minute and 45-second match. And I think what I was most impressed about, look, I'm a Lesnar fan. I'm one of the few. A lot of guys are kind of tired of him. Um, he actually worked. It was not just I'm going to German suplex everybody in the ring eight times. He took bumps. He went through two tables. He had a table thrown on top of him. He actually got in there and he worked. And I think that that helped sell the match it wasn't just i'm gonna manhandle everybody and it's even whenever he was on the stretcher and came back came in the ring did a takedown you know got on did, did some other offensive moves other than the german suplex that was good to see yeah, and he made braun Strowman look like an animal and uh, that's kind of what you want to do as a champion you want to keep your title but you also want to make your opponent look worthy and he did a fantastic job of doing that are they going to put the belt on Strowman at the next pay-per-view 
It depends what Brock's doing in UFC. Everybody thought he was losing it on Sunday night because of his dealings with the UFC. Maybe Vince knew. Maybe Vince sold Bone Jones that that uh, banned substance, and uh, that might have been he knew that Lesnar was going nowhere. If I'm Vince McMahon and I know that Bones Jones is looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, a 24 month suspension from UFC, I'm signing him and I'm having that feud on my TV. Why wait? Why? I mean, it's hot right now. It's topical right now. Why? allow it to sort of die out why not do it on your air yeah i guess depending on how long the suspension is gonna be he's gotta he's gotta learn the the game a little bit before he could just kind of be thrusted in there i think they're kind of done with that i know you used to have actors and um different athletes come in I, you don't see that but maybe once in the past three years they did that with the one of the guys that was in a superhero movie that probably paid a ton of money to get him a card <laughs> so smackdown did make some changes shelton benjamin bobby Roode. I think that it's desperately needed for a SmackDown show that, quite frankly, had fizzled immensely since the Superstar shakeup. So I think those are two really good additions, and it's going to help level the playing field a little bit. I'll be honest. I don't watch SmackDown very often, but those two additions give me a little bit more reason to start watching it. Yeah, I, SmackDown last night was pretty good. I'm usually not a, a, a big SmackDown fan, but I'll fast forward through it. Last night, having Bobby Roode in there and, the thing about that, the thing that's so great about NXT is it gives them a platform to get noticed before. So you, you don't automatically have to come in and work your way up. Like a guy like Bobby Roode, you just come in and kind of be on that main event level just to start. And uh, Shelton Benjamin, another guy that's that's known before, I think uh, putting him with Chad Gable is going to be they'll – do, they'll do a good job in that, especially – in that tag team scene in on SmackDown, that's very, very much needed because people are tired of watching the New Day take on the Usos weekly. <laughs> so let's do this. We're going we're to stop the wrestling talk for now, and we're going to go out to Vegas. <clears throat> we promised you some Mayweather-McGregor props, and now we've got some for you. These are these are fun. You could get these on any <clears throat> excuse me any sports book. So I'm going to lead off right here. Will Conor McGregor win any round against Floyd Mayweather on Saturday? I'm going to say 100% no. In fact, I'm going to find – I do have some uh, some credits on my, my betting account mm-hmm. that I may or may not own, and I'm going to put some money on that happening. May, uh, Mayweather will not give up a round. Okay, so to, to preface that, that's any round on any judge's card. So Damien says no. I think he's going to get a 10-9 somewhere from someone. Boxing judges are terrible. Write it down. We disagree. Yeah, we disagree there. Before the fight, will the two guys touch gloves? I'm um, yes, 100%. I mean, they've, they've been disrespectful to one another, but lately they've sort of come together. I think they're going to touch gloves. Is that any time in the I, I think in the it's fight, in the, the pre-fight introduction. Pre-fight, no way. Okay. We're going to disagree with all these. We're going to come back and fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's going to have more people in their pre-fight walkout entourage, Mayweather or McGregor? I don't think McGregor knows enough people to beat Mayweather in there. Mayweather hands down. I agree there. Mayweather's going to going to win the pre-fight. Who's going to have the longer entrance walkout? Mayweather usually has a damn concert before coming out, so I think that he's the heavy favorite there. I think McGregor's going to do a good job of trying to mimic what Floyd does, but again, Floyd gets that with W. Okay. Is Floyd Mayweather going to be wearing a The Money Team hat while walking down now? That's sort of been his trademark in his last few fights. I don't understand why you would have that prop. But does somebody know something? I don't know. I'm, Vegas yeah, knows I, everything. Of course he's wearing it. He's been wearing it the last few times. So for that reason, I'm going to say no just to 
disagree, I guess. Well, when he fought, um, De La Hoya came out in a sombrero. <laughs> what do Irish men wear? Do they have like some funny hat? Uh, not that I'm aware. I think it would be a hat that Mott would wear. So you know what? <laughs> I'm I'm backtracking on that. We're he's going, no. he's gonna wear an Irish guy hat, whatever that is. <laughs> a whatever, leprechaun. Whatever hat. that is, he may come out in a leprechaun outfit. He may wear that big long top hat with a uh, a pipe in his uh, in his mouth. <laughs> I would love to see it. Now here's one you could get some pretty hefty odds on this. Will Nate Diaz be with Floyd Mayweather during the walkout? Diaz is a heavy underdog. He's not expected to be a part of the entourage, but will he? Listen, if I was Mayweather, I would have Diaz. I would have everybody that ever beat McGregor <laughs> in my camp, but no, he will not be there. This is not on the, the betting list, but I'll just throw it out there for myself. Will Pauly Malignaggi be with Floyd Mayweather in the walkout? Pauly is uh, coattailing every single person he possibly could, so there's better odds Pauly over Diaz. Okay. Now let me pull up my, my phone here what, so what I you, can... What, I'll give you some time, Casey. What do you think? You think Diaz is going to be with, with Mayweather? No. No, no chance. I don't think he wants to be associated with any of those MMA guys. I think that uh, Saturday night is going to be a night strictly trying to for, to flex boxing's muscles here. Donald Trump over or under six and a half tweets on fight night. So I'm counting right here today. Just out of you know, for example, today he has tweeted uh, five times. So today it would be under. These Vegas people know. They know everything. I'm gonna. If you're waiting on me here. Uh, see, I don't follow Trump on Twitter. I'm not a big political guy. I'm more of a negative sports guy. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say under, and I'm gonna say he has zero tweets about the actual fight. Oh, he's not gonna tweet about the fight. Um, but I do think he's gonna reach the over. There's a lot going on in the world right now. I think that it's gonna be over. Now, an but, interesting follow, D. If you if you want to see, my goodness gracious, that is a very big truck passing. <laughs> Um, if, if you want, look, if you haven't been to the one more round studios, we actually uh, have our studio in the middle grounds of the Indy 500. <laughs> if you want to follow some good, not Donald Trump stuff at Real Sports Trump, it's some sports tweets in impersonating Donald Trump. That's a good follow. And listen, if you want to follow a, a Twitter that has negative thoughts on everything possible, please follow <laughs> O N E underscore M O R E R O U N D on Twitter. No NASCAR sounds when reading those tweets. I promise. <laughs> Will someone throw in the towel either camp during this fight, Mayweather or McGregor? No. So there's not going to be any towel thrown in that. We agree there. I think it's going to be a, a referee stoppage, and then you said it's going to be a, a, a TKO. Here's one that I've been scouring over and debating ever since I saw it. Will Conor McGregor land over or under 13.5% of his punches on Saturday? Where'd you read? You found that online, or that's a Casey is No, that, that's on there. That's on the book that I play. Wow, that's tough. I'm gonna go. You know, I'm a McGregor hate. I'm going under. Oh, here's the thing, Melo and I were talking about this. Oh, y'all ganging up. M- McGregor likes to do this thing in clinches where he he does this a lot. If that all counts as punches landed, it may go over. I don't think he's going to land substantial shots, but I, I'm going to go over. Like he hits the guy in the head or he hits the guy? I mean, we are on radio here. He like the guy in the shoulder? patting him on the shoulder kind of thing. As a guy that's maybe scored fights, does that count on CompuBox as a landed punch? Uh, okay, so HBO has a graphic where they show the front of a boxer and kind of like a video game, mm-hmm. the damage that it has. They don't show the shoulder, the back of the shoulder. So my, now my answer is going to depend on whether or not that crap okay. is actually counting. Let's go no. Because there's a more of a chance that it's not. But I'm going under. Yeah, okay. I'm going under. So, yeah, man. I, so, 
I guess what we're getting at is you don't have to just bet on who you think's going to win. If you want to just drink some, some beer and have fun and throw some money around, there's a ton of stuff that you could bet on. But, man, this is so fascinating to me. I actually wrote a story about this today on our website. Um, Las Vegas could lose a bundle if Conor McGregor actually does win this fight. 25.8 times more McGregor bets than Mayweather bets in Vegas. And the thing about those bets is they pay 5-1. to one. So if McGregor does somehow win this, it's going to be Black Friday on Vegas. They're going to be bleeding cash to everybody. Listen, my grandfather is one of the smartest men that I've ever had a chance to to be around. I respect that man like no other. And he told me, he said, do you know why they tear down hotels in Vegas? Do you know why? I have no idea. To build bigger ones. So they're not losing any. They're not going to lose them. There's a reason that the odds are the way they are. They're not losing on that. And look, I want to tell you guys something real quick. Before, I got a feeling we're about to end this. Sure. Our website, onemorerounstudios.com. We are going to do a uh, a better job of getting more and more content on there. Today, uh, both Casey and I wrote articles on there. The high school football season is coming up. Uh, Casey did a tremendous job on ranking uh, teams and football and the players. We, we have some uh, awards coming out. So stay tuned. Uh, follow us. We're going to have a big, big year. I know we're kind of treading along, but the sports world is, is starting to, to rise right now. We're going to rise along with it. Weekend plans. I know that you, you talked about that in, in your piece. What are some of the things that's going to be going on in the St. Pierre household this weekend? Um, so Saturday, obviously, going to watch the fight. Got a buddy of mine. Uh, I invited us to go to my wife and I to New Orleans. Got us hooked up at Manning's. That's going to be a uh, hell of a place to watch that fight. Just hopefully we can stay dry and uh, not shot in, in New Orleans. Uh, so, <laughs> Sunday, depending uh, on how everything goes, we may have our South of Fusebitty basketball draft, which if you listen to this and have a sign up, your kid, do that uh, Thursday, 6 to 8, or you can go online, find us on Facebook at South of Bitty. Sign your kid up. We're ready for a big-time season. What, what do you got playing, Casey? Friday night, going to be calling the Jamborees over at Thibodeau High School. Going to have a doubleheader, South Lafouche and White Castle at 6 p.m. Thibodeau and Central, 30 minutes after the first game. Um, you got to do Central? Yeah, man. Wow. It's, it's, it's hard work, man. Somebody's got to do it. Um, you talked about the player rankings. I'm going to be adjusting those after the Jamboree based on anything that I do and don't see. We're going to have a, a team ranking list coming out next week as well. So uh, other than that, Saturday I'm going to be watching BYU at 2 on ESPN then that's going to get me headfirst into the fight. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to be watching it, but I'm going to be watching it somewhere. And uh, that's it. I'm just rocking and rolling, man. I have a weight lifted off my shoulders. I sent my football preview guide, the last one, to the printer today. I'm a free man once more. That's good. Cause, hey, look, uh, everybody check that out on the Times uh, High School Football Preview. I know Casey works his tail off on that because he hasn't been around very much, so I know he's doing <laughs> something. <laughs> this is the one stretch of the year where I'm actually staying busy, but – want to thank everybody for listening. It was a good show. We'll be back uh, next week, probably early. We're going to have a big LSU-BYU preview. I'm going to try to actually get a reporter out in the West Coast that covers BYU to join us. Uh, but keep it right here. One more round. Good night, guys.